Um, for those of you who are, are new dads, I Wanda and I were talking about this uh, just a week or so ago about the, her, the differences between her and I. And one of the differences happens to be that she can multitask and I can't. Um, Wanda can do like seven different things at once, and I'm, I'm one of those that I kind of lock in on one thing, and I work on that till I'm done, then I go to something else, and I don't know if that's a male-female thing, or that's just kind of how we're, we're wired differently, but I, I thought a lot of fathers don't do well multitasking, and I saw this little cartoon for new dads. I just thought this was really cute, just a little tip. It says, uh, did you wash the baby and take out the trash? And he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, he's washing the trash and took out the babies. Um, yeah. Some of you, that would sink in about 2 o'clock this afternoon. That'd, that'd kick in. No. Uh, we're continuing our series today called uh, Tough Love. And um, I just want to say thank you. You guys, just so much feedback on this series of how helpful it's been. And the reason is I've been trying to focus on this, on not just trying to define what love is, because I think we, we have a general idea about that, but how do we really put that love into practice? What does that look like to really love the way God wants us to love? And if you've not been with us all the way on this journey, we, we kicked it off with a message about loving ourselves. And I, I know for a lot of us, that's a challenge. But yet Jesus says, love your neighbor, how? As you love yourself. And if we don't love ourselves, it gets in the way in so many ways in, in our relationships. Um, we talked about sacrificial love. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than a, a, a person lays down their life for their friend. And, and we unpacked in that, me- in that message, what does it really look like to, to lay our lives down, you know, in a, in a real way uh, every single day? Um, another message in the series has been how to love difficult people. Um, Jesus calls us not just to love people we like, but actually to love our enemies. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit loving the difficult people? You're still working on that one a, a little bit. Yeah, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. And, and, but that's, you know, that's kind of one of the big differences of what it means to be Christ-like versus what it means to be someone you know, in the world. And, uh, and, and then last week, I, I talked to you about love that lasts. And uh, unpack this idea. You know, in a culture where relationships are so easily tossed aside and marriages are so easily walked away from, what does it really mean to love with a love that lasts? And, and I want to encourage you. I've had just every week, I've gotten great feedback from folks who are just talking about how the helpful that some of the stuff has been. And I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any of it, you can go to our website and, uh, and, you, can, and you can listen or watch online. Or you can go on your app and go back and watch and listen and listen that way. Uh, just want to encourage you to, to do that. But today I want, to, I want to talk about a different part of this. And, and I think today is going to be one of those that it's, it's really going to push on the best of almost every one of us in the room. I want to talk about today love and truth. Love and truth. Let me frame it this way. Um, when I was here as an associate pastor back in the 80s, uh, when I came, I was a youth pastor for the first few years and uh, worked with youth. We had uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night services at that time, and I preached one Sunday night a month and, uh, and ran the youth and did some other things, have some associate work. Um, but then about three years, three and a half years in, my role changed, and I became uh, more of a full associate pastor, almost a co-pastor, and Paul Hader asked me to preach half of the time. And so I started preaching three Sunday nights and then one Sunday morning a month. And so I was preaching half of the time. I was doing the Christian education and the outreach. 
And it was when I started preaching that I really felt like I had stepped into the gifts that God had given me. Uh, of, I, I don't do a lot of things well, but one of the things I felt like God had gifted me to was to be a communicator, was to, to share my heart, unpack scripture, and do this kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I felt like I was really beginning to kind of hit stride. And, and I was loving it, and I, I was loving the opportunity that Paul gave me. But I'll never forget, never forget, we had a man in our church by the name of Earl Winford. How many of you remember Earl? Anybody? Yeah, okay. One of them dearest saints you would ever want to know. Earl was the uh, head of our pastor's liaison committee, fantastic encourager. Earl was really tall, and he had arms that were like as long as squid tentacles. I mean, they were just, they were just, he, just really long arms. And I'll never forget the Sunday after church. I was out in the lobby. I had preached that morning, and I was out there doing my huggy, kissy thing, you know, hugging on people and stuff. And Earl walks out as people were leaving, and he puts his arm around me, and it kind of wraps around me three times, you know. And he goes, walk with me. And it wasn't a request, you know, it was one of those. And so we're, we're walking down the hall down here toward, toward the hearth room, and uh, Earl says, you know, Pastor Steve, he goes, I'm just so excited to see how you have grown in ministry. And he said, I've just been so much fun watching you mature. And he said, especially as you've grown as a preacher. And he said, I just want to encourage you. He goes, I, I really feel like you're going to be one of the great preachers in the church of God. And he goes, I'm just so excited to watch that. And I, of course, I'm gushing, you know, and I'm just, oh, Earl, thank you so much. You know, it was just kind of, he goes, but can I make a suggestion to you? And I said, sure, what's that? He goes, you preach too long. And, uh, you know, of course, I was young and insecure, and I'm like, what do you know, you old goat? You know, kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, and he said, you know, Steve, he said, you know, you you've always are interesting. You've always got great things to say. He said, but, you know, you, you, you preach 45 to 50 minutes. And uh, he said, and I, I think what happens is people just begin to wear out a little bit. He goes, I just, all I'm saying is I think you'll be more effective if you learn to shorten what you're saying and, 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 and just kind of can make a little bit more concise and keep it to about 30 minutes, he, I just think you'll be better as a preacher. Now, let me just stop. How many of you are thankful for Earl Winford? <laughs> Becker's standing up clapping, man. It's like, I don't want to listen to you for 45 minutes. Well, I, you know, and I'll be honest, I, I was, I, you know, I received it, but I was, I was a little bit hurt, you know, and I was a little bit, you know, I don't know if that's really true. So I decided to go back and listen to the last time I preached. And I pulled up the tape and I listened to it and I timed it out. I had preached for 53 minutes. Now, here's what's ridiculous. I mean, I was like 28 years old at the time. I didn't even know enough to speak for 53 minutes. I, you know, I, I didn't pay that close attention in class. You know, I didn't, I didn't. But, but it was, you know, but it was, and I listened, when I listened, I said, man, he's right. And I really took that to heart. And from that day on, I, I really tried to think about not just what I was saying, but how long it was going to take me to say it. Now, here's what I want you to get. That's love and truth. What Earl gave me that day was an incredible gift. Earl said something to me that I guarantee you a lot of people wanted to say. But he was the one who was brave enough, courageous enough, and Christ-like enough to say it and say it in a way that I was able to receive it. Does that make sense to you? Now, here's, that, here's the deal, gang. That's tough love. Okay? 
That's tough love. And that's the principle that I want to talk, I want to, talk to you about today. Here's, here's what I want you to think about with me. Who do you need to have a conversation with in your life that you're avoiding? Who is it that you need to have what you know to be a difficult conversation, but there's something that you need to say and you've been shying away from saying it? I want to encourage you to listen today and really listen to what God might want to say to you about how important that might be. Are you ready? Take your sermon outline out. Track with me. I want you to look. I can promise you I'm not going to speak for 53 minutes today. Thank God for Earl Winford. But I want you to look at a passage of Scripture that we often quote, but I don't think we really unpack in a practical way. Here's the passage from Ephesians 4.15. Would you read it out loud with me, please? We will speak the truth with love. We will grow up in every way to be like Christ who is the head. We will speak the truth in love. Now, all I want want you to think about with me for a second is, do you do that? Do you speak truth? And when you do speak truth, do you speak it in love? Paul said, you know, when we do that, that's when we begin to grow up and look more like Jesus. I don't know if you ever noticed the gospel. Jesus didn't have a hard time speaking truth. But we need to be able to do that. And I I think about my life and I think about the people in my life who loved me enough along the way to have good, honest, hard conversations with me because they have helped define who I became. Now, I want to help you unpack this. You know, you can, you can get a commentary. You can read the Greek words, you know, for love and truth and all. You can do all that stuff. My job today is not to tell you what it says. You get what it says. What I want to do today is challenge you on how you put that into practice. You ready? Okay. Here's what I first want to talk about. I want to start with the idea of what, what, is, it, what's, what is speaking the truth not you know, what does it not look like? When we speak the truth in love, what, it is, what is it not? Because some of what we think it is, it's not. Here's the first one. It's not a license to confront everyone. Speaking the truth in love is not a license to just go confront everyone. Now, I'm saying this for the benefit of all of you who have control issues. Because when I start talking about speaking in truth in love, people with control issues are going, yeah, baby, you just loaded my gun, you know? And, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not about, you know, you having the right to just go tell everyone else how to live. That, 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 that is not what this is about. Secondly, it's not permission to be rude. It's not permission to be rude. And when I talk about having honest conversations, some of us default the fact that we're speaking the truth, but you're not really saying it in a Christ-like way. You know, I, I, I guarantee you, you, you've got people in your life, and I, like I do, who say, you know what, I just tell it like it is. You know, I just call it like I see it. Look at me. I love you, but no, you're not. You're being rude. And there's a difference between speaking truth in love and just getting in everybody's face about think, something you think they need to hear. That's not Christ-like. I, I can't tell you how many times um, when I post myself on Facebook and I'll see things that, that people post. and go, You know what? I love, I, I love people, but there are a lot of people who wear the name of the Lord that should not have a Facebook account. Because they do not know how to control what they say and the way that they say it. And they post it out there for everyone to see. And I'm just telling you, it's a horrible testimony to the people of God. It's just horrible. It's not about being rude. It's not talking 
about people to others. Speaking the truth in love is not speaking the truth about someone to someone else. You know, this is one of the things that churches are notorious for. We tell everybody else about an issue we've got with someone else without having the conversation with the person. It's not speaking the truth to someone else. That's called gossip. It's not hinting and hoping. <laughs> it's not hinting and hoping. Come on. It's us. Come on. How many, how many of you are like me? You're horribly codependent, and it's really hard for you to say something hard to someone. Come on. Anybody else honest enough to admit it's hard? To, yeah, it, it's it. Now, and here's what we do, a lot of us. Instead of actually having a hard conversation, we hint and we hope. And we hint at the truth. We hint at what we want them to do, and we hope they get it. Pastors are notorious for this. Uh, I, had a, I had a pastor, I was, I was coaching a pastor and his staff at a church, and um, as I had gotten connected and gotten, gotten acquainted with the staff after a day or two, it became very apparent there was an attitude issue with one of the staff, and it was causing kind of a toxic environment on the staff. And when I went into the pastor's office and I closed the door, I said, you know, what, what are you doing about dealing with this staff person? And the pastor smiled at me. He said, well, last week I did a whole teaching for the whole staff about what godly attitudes look like. No, what did you say to them, him? Are you getting this? And, and you know, again, the pastor's mentality was, I'll, I'll, I'll say it to the whole group. Problem when you hint and hope, especially to a group like that, everybody gets it but the person who needs to get it. That, yeah, that's not speaking the truth in love. Um, again, sometimes as pastors, you know, we get, we get in an issue with an individual in the church, and so we decide that's going to be our sermon topic for that week. And it's like, stop it. Just have an honest conversation. Amen? It's, it's not about hinting and hoping. And, and, and lastly, it's, not, it's also not about assume, assuming that you're always right. It's not about assuming you're always right. Can we be honest? Sometimes we're not speaking the truth. Sometimes we're just speaking our opinion. And we need to, we need to be able to discern the difference. Um, one of the phrases my wife uses that I just love is she talks about confronting with confusion. And that is where you go to someone and you're seeing some things that are disturbing to you or maybe some things that are even hurtful to you. And you go and you say, help me understand Help me understand. It's I'm confused why you're saying this or doing this because this is how it's coming across. And that confronting with confusion is the assumption that there may be something going on that I'm not aware of. All, all of those kinds of things are, are, are ideas that we get about speaking the truth in love, but that's really not what speaking the truth in love is. I put a definition word, and I, I realized after we printed this that I had I dropped, I dropped a word in the cutting and pasting that I was doing from my own notes, and that is speaking the truth in love is having an honest, and here's the word I dropped, Christ-like, an honest, Christ-like conversations even when they're hard. Speaking the truth in love is having honest, Christ-like conversations even when they're hard. Now, again, my role today is to give you maybe a few tools, a few tips, a few things to help you do this a little better. And let me give you just three ideas and, um, that I think you can take home that might help you. Are you ready? First one I, thing I want to say is, I, what I know is this, a lot of us really struggle to do this. And here's the deal. If you're hesitant, put yourself in their place. 
Put yourself in the place of the person that you're wanting to, you're, you wish you could have a hard conversation. If you're hesitant to do it, put yourself in their place. Now, why do I say that? It's because the moment you think about someone you need to have a hard conversation with, you start giving yourself a thousand excuses on why you shouldn't do it. Um, they're not going to receive it. Uh, who am I that I have a right to say anything? Um, they don't really want to hear from me. It's never going to change anything. Uh, we, we start giving ourselves a, a thousand reasons. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them mad. I don't want to make them mad. I don't. Here's the big one that we use in the church. I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, I don't want to hurt their and, and what's funny is, here's what's funny to me, is we think that by not hurting somebody's feelings, we're being Christian, and yet we start bearing resentment. And can I tell you that having an honest conversation is a lot more Christ-like than being resentful? Does that make sense? And, and we need to think that question about, you know, what would this look like? I put, this, I put a question on here. Here's the question you need, you need to ask. A great question to ask is this. If it were me, would I want someone to tell me? If it were me, would I want someone to tell me? I cannot begin to tell you how many people who have come to me that talk about having an issue with someone and they're saying, Pastor, what do I do about this? And I ask them the question, have you talked to them? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Why not? You're talking to me about it. Why couldn't you talk to them about it? And, it's, and they start going through all this whole litany. of, and, and I let them go on. And then I ask them this question. I said, if you had hurt their feelings, if you had done this and they were upset with you, would you want them to come to you? And always people say, well, of course. I would want them to come to me. I would want them to tell me. I would want to know that I did this. Then do it for them. Do it for them. Put yourself in their place. Ask the question, would I want someone to come to me? Of course you would. Then do it for them. Now, if you don't want to take my word for that, go to the words of Jesus, Matthew 7, 12. Read it out loud with me. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Read it again. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, if we lived by that one verse, we would raise the health of our relationship with other people about 30% immediately. I love what Proverbs 24, 26 says. Read it with me. Giving an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. You know, when I, I look back on that conversation that Earl had with me, I can't tell you how many times I've looked back on that and I just think, Scott, I thank you so much that Earl regarded me enough as a friend and that he was able to say something. I knew it was hard for him. I knew he was afraid he was going to hurt my feelings. I knew after I thought about it that he was afraid that he would discourage a young pastor. But he had a helpful, honest conversation. And from that day forward, I always regarded Earl as a very special friend because Earl was willing to tell me what no one else would. Does that make sense to you? If you're hesitant to do it, just ask the question, would I want someone to say it to me? Here's the next piece, and pay close attention to this one, because this is what we all have to work on. Remember this when you're, when you're having the conversation. Remember that how you say what you say is more important than what you say. Remember that how you say what you say is more important than what you say. 
Colossians 4, 6, Paul gives us some great words of advice. Read it with me, church. When you talk, you should always be kind and wise. Let me just stop right there. Circle that little phrase, kind and wise. When you talk, you should always be kind and wise. If we only talked when we were speaking kind and wise, a lot of us would talk a lot less, I guarantee you, along the way. Keep reading with me. Then you will be able to answer everyone in the way that you should. Proverbs 12, 18, read it with me. Careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. You know, so much when we're approaching someone, um, it has to do with, with how we say it. And, and, and the being able to say it in a way that they're able to receive it. I promise you, Earl was such a, did such a masterful job. Think about how he approached me. He, he, he walked me away from people. He walked me down the hall. He affirmed me, told me how much he loved me, told me how, how, how good a preacher he thought I already was, and kind of gave me that, what we call the sandwich principle, gave me some good stuff on the top to open my heart. Then he said, can I, can I give you some advice? Can I open that door? And I gave him permission. Yes, you're able to. And then he gave me the hard stuff. I think you preached too long. You know, gave me those hard words. And after he explained what he meant, then he, 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 he wrapped it back up again and said, again, I think you're going to be one of the great preachers. I just think that if you shorten a little bit, you'll be even better than you are. You know, that's called that sandwich principle. How you say what you say is more important than what you say. Now, why this is so important is that there are some of us, you know, we, when we have that hard conversation, we're in somebody's face. Like, you, you always do this. That's probably not speaking the truth in love. You make me so mad. That's probably not speaking the truth in love. You're such an idiot. That's probably not speaking the truth and love. Amen. Come on. Come on. This is where we live. And so we, we've got we've to change that. That's why, again, we get so worried about how people are going to receive it. But I, I put this on your outline. You can't control how people will receive what you say, but you can control how you say it. You can control how you say it. And again, I, I know there's a lot of us, we don't have a real high emotional intelligence. And we have to work a little harder at this. Uh, but everybody, look at me, everybody can get better at this. You know, I put some kind of beatitudes on there for you. When you're thinking about how you need to say things, I put some on. I just want you to walk with me through them. Be thoughtful when you're speaking. Be thoughtful. In other words, be thinking about this person that you're going to be speaking to. What do you know about them? What, you know, are, they, are they a person that you can and need to be very direct with? Or, or are they a person that you need to be a little softer or a little gentler? Um, I, had, I had a great case of this a week ago. I had our, our grandson, Maddox, spent the night with us. And uh, something during the evening, he, uh, he'd come out and had his phone. And, and Wanda had said something about, you know, looking at his phone. And he was like, you know, you can't look at my phone. And I'm going, dude, you're 11 years old and you're in my house. I'll look at anything electronic you got. And, uh, and I got in front of him and I, I said, no, I, I am looking at your phone. And had this, you know, really hard moment with him. And he handed his phone. And he, and he wasn't looking at anything, you know, inappropriate thing. But it, it was just like that, you know, this is mine. And blah, blah. So we had this really hard moment. And, 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 and Maddox, he's, just, he's a good kid. He's just really a good kid. But after I gave his phone back to him, I mean, he just, he turned and went to his room and he just bawled like a baby. I mean, he was just so brokenhearted. And I tried to give him a minute and then I, I, I went in to where he was 
and I walked in, and I just, uh, I sat on his bed, and I just said, Maddie, buddy, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I, I wasn't trying to upset you. Uh, I said, but, buddy, you're 11 years old, and there is a lot of bad stuff out there on the airwaves. And I said, as long as you're in our home, um, I am going to reserve the right, you know, to look at stuff just to make sure you're being protected. That's just the way it's going to be. And I, I tried to make it, and, and it, nothing I said at that point helped. And, um, and, and Maddox says, I want to go home. I want to go home. And so he did. You know, he packed up his stuff, and we wound up, took, him, took him back to home so he didn't spend a night. And Wanda came back, and I was feeling bad. I thought, you know, I, I, know, I knew I had to do that, but I, I, Wanda came in, and, and we stood there and talked for a second. I said, okay, I, I need some feedback. I need, I need you to evaluate how I handled that. I need you to tell me, you know, did, what, what could I have done better with that? Because, uh, you know, I love this kid. I don't want to hurt him. And, but I'm not going to just give him free reign with electronics. That's just the bottom line. And I said, but how could I have approached that differently? And Wanda, it was, she was so good. You know, she was so good. She said, well, she goes, you know, Steve, you're right. You know, she said, but, you know, Maddox is really tenderhearted. And when he said, you know, you, you can't look at my phone, he said, she said, you stepped in and, you know, kind of bowed up. And, you know, and he said, and your, your voice is deep and your face is stern and, you, you know, your, your, your tone was, you know, was, was, was very, you know, kind of attacking. And she said, you just scared him. And uh, she said, I, I think it'll help you if you just learn how to be just a little bit more tender with him when you're doing this. He can't, he just can't take that that way. Does this make sense to you? And, and I listened to her. And, and again, please hear my heart. It's not that you don't draw boundaries. It's not you don't draw hard lines. But she was helping me realize that you can't approach everyone the same way. How many of you have had more than one child? And have you learned this, that you have to approach them differently? I mean, we learned that with Ben and Nathan. I mean, when, you know, Ben, ben was so defiant from the day he was born, just like his mother. He was just, you know, he, just, he was just so defiant, you know. And, uh, you know, he was one of the, I could, I could beat that boy until he bled and he was still, you know, Nathan, you know, when Nathan, as he was growing, he, Nathan was so tenderhearted. I would go, Nathan, and he would, ah, you know, and I'd be, you know, and he, but, but that you have to, you just have to learn. This is being thoughtful as you're approaching. How, what do I know about them? What kind of power do I have in their life? So how do I need to say it? Be discreet. Discreet means you don't confront people in a church lobby. Don't confront people in front of other people. I, I see this happen all the time. It's just like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you can't, you can't call people out and disrespect them in front of other people. That just, you, you, you've just shot yourself in the foot. Be controlled. Sometimes the things that you want to talk about have a lot of emotional charge to it, and you need to make sure you ramp that down before you have the conversation. If not, then your emotions are going to get in the way, and, and what they're going to hear is this emotion, and they're not really going to hear your heart about what you want to say. Here's a novel thought. Be prayerful. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely. And some of the conversations you need to have, you need to be prayerful about and just say, God, help me to understand what I need to say, how I need to say it, and when I need to say it, and let the Lord guide you with that. And lastly, be pure. And by, by that I mean this, check your own heart. Why are you having this conversation? Are you having it to truly help your relationship with them? Or are you having this conversation because you feel the need to put somebody in their place? And I know none of you in this room would ever do that, but for someone you know, you might want to pass that along, okay? 
How you say, read, read that again with me. How you say, what you say is more important than what you say. Here's my last thought to you today. If you're gonna speak the truth in love, you gotta be willing to receive the truth in love. This can't be a one-way street. If you're gonna be a person who truly speaks the truth in love to people's lives, then here's the question. Are you able to receive that? If someone comes to you, like Earl came to me, are you able to receive that? If you're gonna speak into other people's lives, are you able to receive what they're able to say to you? Um, you know, you, you, you gotta be open to that. I love Proverbs talks about the importance of, of, of embracing discipline and correction. I, I love their, they just pull those punches. Uh, Proverbs 12, one, he says, read it with me. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> like, man, I spent a lot of my life stupid, I guarantee you. Proverbs 15.31, read it with me. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Here's the thought, gang. Speaking the truth in love, that takes courage. Receiving the truth in love, that takes humility. Can you do that? I was, uh, I was at another church some years ago uh, doing some coaching with a pastor and their, their team. And uh, I'd had a, a morning of teaching with them and, and going through some stuff. And then we, uh, we went to lunch together. And at lunch, uh, while we were there, the pastor and had four staff people were sitting there at lunch. And during the course of lunch, uh, one of the staff pastors uh, said, hey, I've got, a, I've got a, an idea for us. And they started uh, kind of expounding on this idea they had. And about four sentences into it, the senior pastor goes, no, we're not doing that. And in that kind of tone. And it just, boom, it shut it down. Of course, the staff pastor just, great got deathly quiet at the lunch table and, and kind of made for an awkward rest of the time together. We finished lunch, went back to the church. We had about 15, 20 minutes before we were gonna start back up again. And uh, they all went to the restroom, went to their offices. And I, I walked in the senior pastor's office and I closed the door and I said, can I, can I talk to you for a second? And they said, sure. I said, uh, Did, do you understand what happened at lunch today? And they said, no. And I said, let's go back to that scene. And I went back to it and I reiterated what the staff person has said. I said, do you remember what you said to that staff person when they said this? I, they said, oh, yeah, I, I told them that we weren't going to do that. And I said, do you remember the tone of voice that you used when you said that? And they said, no. And I repeated their tone of voice. I said it to them the way that they said it. Their eyes got about this big. Because they were, again, they were just speaking out of that emotionally charged moment. They weren't really thinking about what they said. And I said, and if you notice, I said, what happened? When you did that, I said, you totally shut down the conversation with your staff. And I said, they all withdrew, and it just got quiet for the rest of the lunch. I said, if you create that kind of environment, I said, you'll never get the best creative ideas from your team because they're going to be afraid to speak up. Pastor looked at me. Their head dropped. It was just what we call healthy shame. They felt the sting of that, and they said, I'll be right back. And they walked out of the office. They walked down the hall to the office of that staff person, went in, closed the door, and apologized personally to that staff person for what they had said and how they had said it. I thought that was so cool. But here's the deal. When we convened back together again about 20 minutes later, I was getting ready to start. This pastor said, Pastor Steve, before you start um, at lunchtime today, gang, I... I did something I shouldn't have done. 
And this pastor took ownership with their entire team about what happened at lunch and confessed that they had already confessed this to the staff person privately, but they owned it in front of their whole team. And they said, I am so sorry because that is not the kind of leader that I want to be. Now, I'm going to tell you in that moment, the, the confidence of that team and their pastor went up dramatically because they knew this wasn't just a person who was going to speak truth and love. This is going to be a person who could receive truth and love. Love is not easy. Not doing it the way God has called us to do. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, um, I spent a lot of years in church and my own life and lives of people I know where we avoid every hard conversation um, that like the plague, we don't, we don't want to do that. And, and that's not the way God wants us to live. You know, when I was thinking about this message this week, I thought, dear Lord, if we could practice in our own lives, if we could practice this one truth, for all of us in this room, the health of our personal relationships would rise dramatically, immediately. There is nothing healthier than having relationships where you can speak the truth in love to one another. In our marriages, with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, in our church. What would happen if we, if we really owned that? Really tried to do that? Stop talking about people. And started really having honest conversations with people. Paul said, you'll speak the truth in love. And as you do that, you will grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for you. I just want you to take just a moment. Just close your eyes, bow your head. And for the next moment or two, just, just have a private conversation with the Lord. And, and ask God this question. Lord, am I, am I loving that way in a, in a tough love fashion? Am I just speaking the truth? Or am I speaking the truth in love? Am I avoiding the truth? Lord, are there, are there some conversations I need to have that I'm afraid of having? And I need you to give me the courage to have them and the wisdom to have them in the right way. I've asked Rachel to just lead us in that a beautiful chorus that just says, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And, and this morning, I just want us to open our hearts to God, making us wiser, uh, tender, stronger, more courageous. I, my prayer today is that God would help us to have the kind of tough love relationships that can speak the truth in love. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn how to put this truth into action. We understand it. We understand the concept of speaking truth in love, but Lord, quite frankly, it's, it's really challenging for us. Uh, some of us, Lord, just don't like to have those kinds of conversations. But Father, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for people like Earl in my life who loved me enough to be able to say things that no one else would say. I'm thankful, Lord, for those people who were able to say hard things to me, but 
They couched it in words of love that I was able to receive it. And Lord, I know that I want to be like that in my own life, in my own relationships. And I pray that you would help us all. Lord, so often, in, even in the church, we, we get very unhealthy uh, networks going on. Well, we're not talking about the things that we need to talk about. And we're talking about everything but the elephant in the room. Lord, I just don't believe that that's the way that you ever wanted us to live. So I pray that you'd help us to set our insecurities aside, set our egos aside, set all of our flesh aside. And I pray that you would fill us afresh and anew today with your Holy Spirit. Father, I have no doubt that there are some people who are watching this online, some people who are here today that know right now that there are some conversations that they need to have that they've been avoiding. And today, Lord, I, uh, I pray that you would give them the courage, that you would give them the wisdom to know how to approach those conversations and that they would say things in a way that would honor you. Earl helped change my life because he was willing to speak up. I pray that you would help us change some other people's lives by our willingness to speak up as well. And Lord, I I don't want to forget that last part. Lord, I pray that you would also give us humble hearts. And I pray that you would make us people that would understand that we have never arrived, that we are always a people in process, and that as you nudge other people to speak into us, that we will be able to receive those words with gladness, knowing that your Holy Spirit is fashioning us. Your word says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Help us to be able to be sharpened by your Holy Spirit, as well as doing that for other people. God, we love you so much. Help us to live out this truth this week, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. 